going to set this over there, but I think I'll just hold it for a moment. My goodness gracious. Um, I'm Amber. I'm so excited to be able to stand on this platform this morning and just share my heart and some of the things that God's put on my, um, in my life to be working on. I'm excited to be able to share this morning. Um, today I'm going to talk about God's restoration, um, specifically just in the concept of this overflow series of how God uses restoration in our lives to overflow. And, um, yeah, you know, Sven, my husband, last week, he came up and talked about Christian meditation a little bit with us. And when he was sharing, he talked about how in our household there's an abundance of sleeping bag usage. And this is very true. I'm going to confirm that today. I actually brought a sleeping bag with me. But in our household, um, Sven is always hot. He's kind of like a walking furnace. He has a lot of sweat issues. I think I've spoken... <laughs> about that from the stage before. So the rest of us just kind of adapt to him, and we, uh, we just kind of just know that if we're cold, which is a norm in our house, you just have a sleeping bag around. So everywhere there are sleeping bags. This morning we had a bunch of kids, not a bunch of kids, we had two kids, two or three kids stay the night last night for a sleepover, and I had my sleeping bag just out on my couch from just my morning quiet time. And sure enough, they all came downstairs, and then they all bundled up underneath the sleeping bag. There's just something about a sleeping bag that pulls you in. Um, I brought this sleeping bag. I just turned 43 years old, and so I just had a birthday, which was pretty fun. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, and so Sven and my kids, Vesper and Tenzin, they gave me the gift of a brand-new sleeping bag. I've, my old sleeping bag is like 20 years old, so I was a little bit due to get a new one. Um, and her name is Big Agnes. It's Big Agnes because that's the brand that's who makes these sleeping bags. Um, so in the household, I'll be like, where's Big Agnes? And because someone will steal Big Agnes and take her from me. Um, but she's very cuddly. She's very loving. I bond with Big Agnes daily. Um, and I have to read this card to you. I think they're going to put it up on the screen. So this was the birthday card I received. It says, happy B-Day, Mommy. We saved up all our money to get you a brand new sleeping bag. This sleeping bag is no ordinary sleeping bag. This sleeping bag is a magical sleeping bag. This sleeping bag takes your farts and turns them into beautiful flowery smells. <laughs> Not only that, but it also turns your good dreams into reality. We hope you like it. Love, Tenzin, Vester, and Sven. Um, okay, so, so now you know that I fart. That's out there. Um, <laughs> But more importantly, you know that this is a magical sleeping bag. And Big Agnes and I, we bonded a lot this week um, because I want to make sure I talk about how magical she is. I sat within my flowery fragrances and Big Agnes as I put together this message today. So I'm hoping she really is magical and we have a good talk today. So uh, the whole reason I brought her is to tell you that. Um, but in my life, sleeping bag moments, they do equal rest. Um, for whatever reason in my life, um, when I take the time to get rest, it often leads to moments where um, I can find that healing and that wholeness and receive restoration again. Um, I love that we started this series with Psalm 23, just to highlight the first few verses of it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right path for his namesake. When Jesus, or when Jason was talking about this scripture, when he opened the series, I was really surprised, and like what grabbed me was the line that says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That word makes, I like circled and highlighted in my notes. 
Do you ever feel like resting is really a challenge and you have to be incredibly intentional to just accomplish absolutely nothing? I think sometimes it's really hard. Do you have to go out and go to REI and buy a sleeping bag and name her Big Agnes in order to just slow down and cuddle up and get yourself to just be without doing? I think we've all heard of that saying, I am a human being, not a human doing. Um, so Jesus, I just think he, he gets us to this place where he makes us rest, and I think there's this great intention that he longs for us to just be before we do. Um, and so I was just digging into that this week, and I was like, well, why is that so important? And I was thinking through some of the things we've highlighted in this series. In week one, um, Jason talked about, um, he had us ponder the question, where do I find my source of energy? And in week two, he asked us, to really dig into the, con the, the concept of how we want to invest our lives. And then last, last week, Sven talked to us about meditation um, and how to respond to the constructive truths that God is highlighting and empowering us with. And when I think about these different concepts and ideas, I realize, boy, for me to dig into the answers of those, I have to take time to just rest, just to be still with God so that he can reveal to me, so he can reveal to us the output of our lives. This last week I was listening to that Psalm 23 on repeat before I'd fall asleep, and um, the version that I was listening to um, was the ESV version, which takes that line that says, he refreshes my soul, and it replaces it with, he restores my soul. And that wording, it just connected to me, because I can really, I can really connect to the idea of how rest leads us to the restoration of our souls. I think restoration is such an incredible journey, and I hope to highlight some of that today. But I wanted to dig into the concept of, okay, what is restoration? If we're going to study restoration, let's understand it a little bit. Um, I'm a dentist, for those of you that don't know. Specifically, I'm an endodontist, which is a root canal specialist, so all I do is root canals. But in the dental world, we use the word restoration a lot. You might have heard that if you go to the dentist. A restoration in the dental world is something that replaces a damaged part of your tooth or a damaged part of your oral cavity. Um, so if you get a filling or a crown or an implant, those are all dental restorations. Um, some of you may have had a dentist say something along the lines of, um, okay, we're going to restore your smile. That's code word for, we're gonna spend a lot of your money. <laughs> just something that they, just you should take note of. Um, but restoration, I think, you know, the other, the other thing I think about when I think restoration, I grew up in a household of home builders, contractors, and so building restoration, it's that concept of really um, preserving and honoring like the, the historical and the architectural integrity um, of the past, that preservation. But in our lives, when we're talking about, you know, what does it mean for God to restore our soul, I think we have to dig into a couple different concepts. I think to restore is to bring back what was lost, to return, repair, to renovate, to the original condition to make our lives new. And I was thinking through, okay, what are some synonyms for restoration? Um, I think they, they would be words like this. Refresh, rejuvenate, renew, renovate, recharge, recreate, resupply, revitalize, replenish, and refill. Restoration refills us and allows for us to overflow. So what opposes restoration in our lives would be destruction, demolish, dismantle, bulldoze, neglect, undermine, discourage, exhaust, tire, void, and drained. When we're not restored, we do get that sense of being drained, and that does not help us overflow in our lives. 
In the Gospel of John, Jesus says this in John 10.10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief um, of our life, the enemy of our life, um, comes to destroy our lives and hold us down in that brokenness. Um, It's been highlighted this last week that those conversations about desolation, sometimes those stories of destruction in our life, we can play on repeat and we can kind of feel trapped in those places. But those are not the stories that Jesus gives us. I think sometimes brokenness is messy. Brokenness often leaves us in this place of of emptiness. And I think what we tend to do is trying to hold on to the fragile walls of our weakened life. um, And we tend to sort of close down and self-protect. Sometimes we shut off in order to just cling to whatever little bit we have left. Um, I know that we've all walked through different kinds of brokenness, and I was thinking through some of the things that I've walked through, and I was kind of trying to think, well, you know, I think we can all relate to some parts of the journey of brokenness. I think I faced things like, you know, childhood hardships, trauma, moments of rejection, neglect, heartbreak, depression, challenges in relationships, brokenness in marriage life, loss of confidence, loss of community, loss of loved ones, These are all things that I think we can relate to in one way or another, and these are hard areas to trust God with sometimes. Um, They are areas that I would even say for myself, I'm still trying to receive that restoration for. It is a journey. But in my journey of brokenness, when I felt that invitation from Jesus to say yes to a restorative part of the process, when I opened myself up and let my guard down, I've been surprised by how gentle God has been with me, and I've been surprised at the fullness that I receive in the journey. Jesus delivers us with a story of consolation and restoration, um, replenished, refreshed, renewed, and I think it's just a wild thing to trust God with those areas. Today, if nothing else I say like clicks for you, if you don't really listen in on anything else I say, I'm okay with that. I just ask that you take this one nugget and that you hold on to it and ponder it with God. And that's this, that God's gift of restoration is a gift of abundance. God's gift of restoration is a gift of abundance. Um, when, When God gives us the gift of restoration, it's more than what we need. It's enough to give away. Um, I think an example of this in my life, Sven and I, we've walked through different, really, moments of, uh, these moments of brokenness within our own marriage. And as we face those moments and we say yes to the restorative things that God's asking us to do, not only do we get to get that repair for our own hearts and our own marriage and our own, our own lives, we got the opportunity to learn how to, out of that, encourage and bless other people that are walking through similar journeys. That's really a a great example of how God restores something in us and gives us enough to give away. I I think just my own confidence to stand up here on this stage is a story of restoration in my life. I've mentioned in the past how I kind of lived this life when I was younger of not recognizing that my voice was worthy of being heard ever. I never recognized myself as ever being enough. And God's walked me through so much healing that not only do I have the confidence to use my voice, but to use it in a way that, that hopefully encourages and blesses others. God's gift of restoration is a gift of abundance. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So one question I would encourage you to dive into this week is to ask God, well, what areas of my life have I received your restoration? I think it's worthy, it's worth the time to go back and recognize where that has happened. 
And not only that, to follow that up with the question of, can I see where God gave me even more abundantly than I could have expected in this restoration? You might recognize that gift of abundance in that, re in that area. You know, the overarching story of the Bible, it all leads towards restoration. Jesus came to earth um, to teach us unconditional love, and when Jesus sacrificed himself and died on the cross, he restored what was broken between our lives and God to give us this abundant, intimate relationship. And when he rose from the dead and ascended to the Father, he left us with the Holy Spirit, an abundance of God's presence, who is the helper to help us in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and so I want to lead us into a conversation about the importance to restore our awareness of God's spirit. Ben shared with us last week the importance of Psalm 4610, which says, Be still and know that I am God. Stillness and silence, wrapping ourselves up in that sleeping bag and just relaxing. We're sitting on a rock out in the middle of nature. Those are all moments to just allow ourselves to dismiss all of the distractions and just try to tap into God's presence with us. I know for me this means I have to put my phone to the side, turn off the apps, um, let go of the gadgets, close books, and I'll even close my Bible just to sit and soak and just be in God's presence. Um, I still read my Bible, I still use those scriptures, of course, but I think the concept of being still with God and letting um, those distractions go is we need to remind our senses of what they're capable of. They're capable and were originally desi designed to interact with his holiness. And so when we think that, um, when we take that time, we'll start to recognize how our body is able to sense God's presence. And I was thinking about this and I was reminded that sometimes when we hear God's presence or we feel his spirit upon us, it's easy to doubt that. I don't know if you've ever felt that. I definitely have moments where I'm like, oh, you think you have a God moment, and then later on you're like, no, nah, that probably wasn't God. I think it's important to remember that whenever God's presence comes, it comes with encouragement and peace. If we go to Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it says, the fruits of the Spirit, their love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, those are the things that God brings us when we hang out with his presence. In a world where... I think negativity and judgment and heartbreak and desolation seem to falsely rule. It's so helpful to restore our conversation and our hangout time with Jesus so that we can restore a new voice of hope to rule and reign in our life. Psalm 51, 10 through 12. This is a psalm I've really been getting into a lot lately, too. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I think the psalmist here knows the importance of God's presence. He's almost just begging God for his spirit, like, don't take it away, God, just give me more. And when I read that scripture, I'm just reminded how I do feel so much more sustained when I've had that opportunity to soak in God's presence. What I also enjoy about this psalm is that phrase, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I think joy is mentioned around 200 times in scripture. No matter which version of the Bible you read, it comes up to be about 200 times that it's referenced. And as we just learned, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So joy is important. Um, it's not superficial at all. It actually is an overflow of gratitude. So I really want to lean now into the concept that when we restore gratitude, we get to experience more joy. Joy is developed out of that deeply rooted gratitude. 
when we acknowledge what we've been so freely given by, by Jesus, and when we humble ourselves to actually be grateful um, for what we have in this life, it's super powerful to then see that joy become more present. I think gratitude is probably one of the most important tools and powerful tools that we can utilize. I, I, I find that practicing gratitude for me is easier when I actually journal. So I've started this journaling of gratitude lately, and there's actually scientific evidence that when you write down an experience, it's more lasting and it's more impactful for our lives. So when we write about the things we're thankful for, it changes us from the inside. That connection of the writing with our hand and the, um, the activity in our brain, it allows for us to start dwelling in that gratitude, and it also changes us to live more abundantly um, in that joy. Gratitude, it leads to the joy because we get to recognize the abundance of our life. So if gratitude produces the joy, what I think is so cool is that then joy gets to be lived out um, in playfulness. And playfulness is something I'm super pumped about right now. I've really been practicing my playfulness because I can be a pretty serious person sometimes. Um, so restoring playfulness is so important because it helps us to discover more grace. The life of Jesus is so amazing to me. When I study the Gospels and I, I read more about the life of Jesus, I learn a lot every time. I get a different perspective of Jesus. I think you can look at Jesus as being super serious, um, as being very loving. You can see Jesus um, in his wisdom and his wit, his ability to speak honestly and directly. But one thing I think I've appreciated a lot more lately is the playfulness of Jesus. I just think about different scenarios. For example, when Jesus interacts with the Pharisees, the Pharisees like to come to Jesus and have all of these questions for him. And Jesus doesn't go into this big debate with them. He just asks them another profound question back. And then they get all kind of worked up and they huddle together to figure out how they're gonna, how they're gonna respond to that. And I just think about like, what is Jesus doing as he watches these guys kind of huddle back up to figure out how they're gonna, what their next comeback's gonna be. And I just imagine that Jesus has this smile in his heart, this soft-hearted, playfulness of like, I love you guys. You're not being really smart right now, but I love you so much. And I just love imagining the playfulness that Jesus carries with him. I think Jesus was playful with his disciples. I imagine that moment where the disciples are fishing, they're not catching any fish, and Jesus is like, throw the net out again, and then he gives them this abundance of fish so much so that they can't even, you know, hold it all in their nets. And I just think, oh my gosh, I bet Jesus kind of giggled with delight in that moment when he was able to just bless them with this surprise. Um, I think Jesus enjoyed the element of surprise. After he rose um, from, from the dead, and he, he's kind of hanging out with people, but um, they don't know that he's hanging out with them, so he'll go to his friends and he's, he's kind of talking to them and they don't recognize um, that it's Jesus. He kind of doesn't reveal himself right away. It's like halfway through the conversation and then he reveals himself. And they're like, whoa, it's you, Jesus. And I just imagine, like, he didn't have to do that. He could have just at the very beginning allowed for them to see that it was him. But he kind of liked to, to just see what they, how they would respond. I think he enjoyed these mysterious and playful interactions. And my question for us is, when we think about Jesus, do we even consider his playfulness, or do we only think about the serious side of him? One question to dig into is, do I need to grow in my awareness of the playful nature of Jesus, and do I want to? I think God's playfulness allows for us to grow in opportunities as well. Specifically for me, it's the opportunity to grow in my grace. I've really been trying to grow as an individual out of judgment of others. I think we've just, it's easy to just judge people. 
Um, one way I've been doing this is, um, so at work, I'm a dentist, as I said, and so I have these great dental assistants that come alongside of me, and they make sure everything's ready for me all the time so that I can kind of stay on schedule. And you'll be, when you're busy like that, and if something's not set up properly, it's easy to judge the person that was supposed to have things ready, and I get kind of grumpy in my heart, and I'm like, why didn't the assistant have this ready for me? And so I've been practicing lately um, what I'm calling uh, the, the art of the internal giggle. And so whenever I become inconvenienced like that, instead of getting all grumpy, I've practiced every time I have a smile in my heart and I almost giggle on the inside now. And what that's doing is it's helping me, one, to just grow in my humility, which is always a good thing to do, but it's also helping me to adore the people that I work with. Not just adore them for perfect performance, but to actually adore them for their lack of perfect performance. And it's reminded me the beautiful reality that we are just all human, and we are all imperfect. And it's, for me, it's just that playfulness and that giggle in my heart is such a super cool um, way to just develop my grace for others. So another question you might want to dig into along those lines is, Jesus, how can I be more playful in my life to experience more of your grace? Jesus really valued children. Uh, he said, become childlike to enter my kingdom. And uh, I think playfulness, it's important to recognize that it's just naturally in us. We had it in us as kids, and much of our adult years is about restoring that playfulness. Um, when, it, when you're trying to kind of think like a kid, all of a sudden you start to, um, I think, be more aware of those little small moments all around you. Um, I was thinking about this recently. You know when your kids, or if just maybe someone you hang out with, like wakes up in the morning, um, with, for me, it's my kids. They wake up and they come to give me the morning hug, and they've got those eye boogers right there in the middle of their eyes. I love eye boogers. I think eye boogers are so funny, and they make me laugh so much. Or we'll have in our house, every day there'll be a wasp or a bee or something that gets into the house, and for whatever reason, they always go to the same window in the house, and they just bounce against that window like a hundred times, and I just sit there before I help it, and I'm like, do you think maybe after 100 attempts you just learn that that's not the place to go? And they keep going, but it just entertains me for some reason. My son, Tenzin, he's about to turn 10. He, every morning when he gets dressed, he puts his t-shirt on backwards. I don't know why, but every morning, it never fails. The little pocket that sometimes that we have in our shirts, it's always on the back, every morning. And Sven, my husband, oh, I love you. He has the crustiest, uh, calloused feet, like really, really, really calloused. And so... <laughs> In the morning when Sven wakes up, he does this thing where he, like, to get to the coffee, he can't lift his legs yet. He's still tired. So instead of walking like, you know, maybe a normal person would, Sven drags his crusty feet across the wood floor. And it used to really bother me. I'm like, oh, like, I just hated that noise. And I've gotten to be more playful, and now I just laugh. Every time I hear it, I'm like, Sven's getting the coffee. <laughs> it just cracks me up. Um, but these, these are things that could aggravate me. They could be completely overlooked. But when you're, you're trying to be playful, when you're looking for the giggle in your heart, boy, it's just so fun how you can be more present in the now, present in the moment. And that leads to my next point, which is we want to restore our presence in the now to refocus on what is essential. I have to laugh a little bit about this as a parent. I think any parent can um, relate to this. When you're a parent and you're multitasking, you're doing the dishes, you're trying to clean the house or whatever, kids come to us all day long with like, can I do this, can I do this, can I do this? 
And it's really easy to not even give eye contact and be like, yeah, sure, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And the next thing you know, you look up and they like shave the hair off of the dog, they ate an entire bucket of Costco cheese balls, or um, you know, you have opened the door to go outside and they've taken the hose and they made a mud bath and they're rolling in this mud bath and the clothes that grandma just sent and it's like, oh man, should have been a little more present when you asked me about that. Um, but I think that's just a day in the life and the parent, but the truth is that one of the greatest gifts we can share with the people that we interact with daily is our focused attention. Um, I was at a dental continuing education course many years ago, and while the speaker was teaching us things about dentistry, he would just randomly throw out these life nuggets, these life bits of advice. And one of the things he said, in life, we are constantly trying to balance out who to share our love with, and how do you know who you're supposed to love when life is so busy? And then he said, it's easy, simply love whoever is right in front of you, and then move on. And I just love that perspective. I try to remember that and remind myself of that every day I walk into work. Is like, I'm going to love whoever is right in front of me today. But the truth is, sometimes we don't actually see who's right in front of us. It's, it's easy to miss things sometimes. Um, I was on this walk recently around Lake Louise, and if you guys know Lake Louise Trail, there's this, you know, all of the trail is fantastic. It's beautiful. There's so many things to see around Lake Louise. I, I do it often, and I'm always like, my eyes are always just like in awe. But there's one part of the trail that gets really dark, and it's where that big circular, like, water treatment thingamabobber is. And I get there, and I don't really pay attention to much. It's just kind of dark and shadowy. But my dog, Stella, stopped there recently to smell something on the ground. And so I just looked up. I don't know why, I just did. And I realized that every time I walk on this trail, I miss this ginormous, beautiful maple tree that is just like towering above. And in the light, it just is beautiful up there. And I don't know, I just had that like God moment where I was like, oh, how often in life do we forget to look up and get that God perspective? I think that we miss out on overflow in our life sometimes. We have so many cool things to keep us busy and distract us and steal our attention that sometimes we miss out on that big-picture perspective that God has for us. If we could prioritize the essential and allow for more space in our life and our time, would there be more room for God to surprise us? But, you know, I think it's just important to be really picky about kind of what we put in our life. This last year, we, had, we were forced to have space. We were forced to have isolation. And as our world kind of um, gets moving again, there's these opportunities to repack our schedule and I don't know, for me, I'm just trying to be really picky about what I put back in. Um, I just want to cram less of the stuff that's not essential and more of the stuff that I'm excited about. So if we were able to do that, would there be more space for those tiny, silly, gentle, awe-filled moments? And would we find ourselves capable of connecting with a friend or a neighbor or maybe having that conversation with a child that we've been really wanting to get to? Would we be able to love whoever is right in front of us? I'm a project freak. I can, I can dig into a project and no one's allowed to get in my way. I just kind of keep going. And if I'm not careful, I can just project my way through life. Um, and so I've really had to focus on how important it is to connect and be present. Um, for example, if I get this invitation to go play at the lake, um, I, sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I want to go do that. I just have all of these projects I want to do. So I have to kind of get out of my comfort zone to experience life. And the older I get, the more I have really valued one really important thing, and that is that we only have this one wild and precious life on earth, and so I really think that what we do with it matters. You know, we can cling to it, 
and we can fill it with all of these earthly treasures, or we can celebrate the abundance that God gives us each day with those open hands and that hopeful heart. I think this life truly is a gift, and the best thing that we can do with it is to be fully present. I think another question to ask ourselves is, Jesus, what area of my life would you like me to be more present in? It's a good question, and I just love diving into it. We're coming off of such a really, really kind of crazy, wild year. Um, after this, all of this isolation, we were removed from the presence of community this last year. Um, Bren, actually, my friend Bren, she sent me a podcast that was all about how um, important rituals are in our life, and it was referencing how we've lost a lot of rituals in our life this last year. We lost the hug. We lost the handshake. Um, we lost being able to sit in a room and laugh and cry with, one each, other, with each other or hold a hand um, to even see someone smile. Um, we, we lost celebrating graduations together, birthdays together, or gathering to mourn with one another from great loss. Those rituals, they're healthy, and they connect us. And the opportunities for restoring our community, and slowly, uh, they're slowly starting to come back. And um, I think we all get to evaluate what that looks like for us. If you're anything like me, it can feel a little overwhelming at first to try to figure out like, how to incorporate community back into my life. It can feel like a risk to reconnect with people. It can maybe even feel a little bit scary. Um, but I really, in preparing for this message, I felt like this last point was something that God's Spirit really um, moved me with, and that was to um, just really take some time to ask this question. Jesus, what steps should I be taking to restore community and friendships in my life? The enemy of our souls would just love to keep us in that isolation and would like to keep us away from the community that, that loves us so much and wants to celebrate who we are. So I'd encourage us to, to do that, and I'd love to invite the worship team to come back up. I'm about to close. Um, today I've provided a lot of questions for us to dig into, and some of those questions are kind of hard to dive into. Um, but I want to encourage you with something that um, I found to be really important, which is that in you, when you ask these restorative questions to God, he will be gentle with you, and I think it's really important for you to be gentle with you. Don't be hard on yourselves when you dig into some of the answers of these questions, but be gentle with ourselves. If we have grace for the process at the same time, we can trust that the steps that God gives us are going to be so helpful, they're going to be encouraging, they're going to build us back up. Jesus does not plan to Elmer glue and scotch tape our lives back together. He wants to build us into these very strong living vessels so that he can pour an abundance um, of blessings into our lives. And it's our choice to either pay attention to those invitations or not, but if we have that yes in our hearts to God's invitation, we can receive God's abundance for our lives to have a fully experienced life. So I'd like to close with a prayer. Um, Ben's parents, um, my in-laws, Dan and Roberta, they are such a blessing to my life. They pray over our whole family every morning. They're amazing. And they sent me this scripture that I just want to close and pray with. Um, so if you wouldn't mind bowing your hearts um, as I just read this over us. This is Ephesians 3.20, and it comes from the Passion Translation. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve Infinitely, infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. 
So Jesus, I just pray that you would take our hearts this morning, that you would allow for us to remember that in those areas of our lives where you're inviting us, God, that if we have a gentle yes in our hearts, that you, Lord, have so much to give. I pray that you would help us to open up to the abundance that you have for our life as we enter into even more of this beautiful restorative journey. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.